Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. I'm Kristen Smedley here with my partner, Mary Fran Bontempo. And we are talking to an old friend of mine that we've done so many wonderful things together. We can't even recall where we did them. (laughs) Actually, Alita Norris is here joining us today. And we worked together through, we believe it was Clubhouse. We know we were on some very empowering women panel together and have been on social media together ever since. And I am excited to dive into this conversation for a couple of reasons today, Alita. One of them is the fact that, listen, you guys, this is what I love in the bio. Alita is especially passionate about helping women in midlife lean into their amazing future selves. You guys, midlife and future self. We still have a big, bold 50 plus more years out there, folks. We're going to talk about leaning into future selves and really about this whole concept of women who spark and their life purpose, because I have been doing a ton of research on the impact when people don't know their purpose on their life. So I'm really interested to dive into this with you today. So thanks for joining us, Alita. Yes. Thanks for having me, Kristen. And exciting stuff. <laughs> so, so, all right, we got to like begin at the beginning, but there's so many things to, to begin talking with you about. Let's talk first about this life purpose coach. You're a certified life purpose. I didn't even know that that was a thing that you specifically focus on people finding their purpose. Is that right? Well, yes. I, I mean, among other things, right. We can't, we can't be on fire if we don't know uh, what we want to contribute to beyond our own self and so purpose really it it's uh, who was it i maybe i first read it in a book by stephen covey service is the rent we pay for our our time on this earth and i think it's very easy to be self-focused it's very easy to be family focused if we're not looking at something bigger than our own selves and our even our own families I think there's something that's missing for women, for for men as well. But I I really specialize in helping women. So yeah, let's let's wake up every day and let's be on fire about a contribution that we're making to a, a broader audience than you know us. You know, yeah. I I listen to all of this and I think this is kind of what Kristen and I talk about when we say know your brilliance. And this idea of finding it in service is very natural to us because that's how we came to the places that we are now. (laughs) As Kristen will say, she was drugged kicking and screaming into service. And I probably was too, because it all came from some kind of crappy circumstances. But do you find that that maybe is part of the key because one of your one of the things I was reading about you you say about how our visions don't all usually match up with those of our younger selves for where we end up like like ever <laughs> yeah yes yes and I think and and we're all you know those of us who reach that crappy point in our life we're blessed we're blessed by that because that's the wake up call. And uh, you know as kind of a side note what I would say is myself, 
in my 20s and maybe early 30s, I, I was just so selfish. I was focused on, I was focused on making all of my dreams come true. And, and the checklist was, I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to have a great career. I'll, I'll meet Prince Charming. I'll get married. I'll, I'll buy a home. I'll have a family and everything will be perfect. And when, when, like when the yucky stuff in life hasn't happened yet, that's what we do. We wake up and we focus on our own list, our own dreams, um, and our own happiness. And then when life happens to us unexpectedly, and it, it does for everyone. It could be mild. It could be moderate. It could be significant. It could be just a dull feeling of like, is this all there is for life? I'm unfulfilled. I'm unhappy. I don't know why. Or it could be something catastrophic. And, and we get to define that, right? And for me, it was two back-to-back -back divorces within five years of one another and being married to a really, really evil person. Um, that, that was my, that was my wake up call. And that pivot pivoted me away from focusing on that white picket fence dream to holy smokes, like life is difficult. I have to figure out how to recover from this, survive this. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to turn around and help other women do the same thing. Because suddenly I realize that I'm surrounded by women who are, finding their own experience with unexpected, unanticipated circumstances in life. And they don't, they don't know how to navigate that. And some women become discouraged, depressed, bitter, um, sad, they give up on life. And I'm not that kind of person. So I, I, my second husband was a blessing to me because he knocked me off my pedestal, helped me get over myself and I turned my attention to kind of looking into the eyes of the women around me and and trying to see the struggles of women and and then make some decisions about how can I how can I now turn to service of other women because I lived through some difficulties. So those difficulties are a gift if if we decide to make them be a gift. Well, I like that. If we decide so much to make over them. here, <laughs> scribbling away, <laughs> it's it's making that decision. And and I actually just got into a conversation with my my middle son about this the other day. That that you know, it life is hard, right? And coming back from things is hard. But when you put in the hard work and work through something, and then find the new. That's when you're saying the the challenges are blessings. And then you find that new path or, or because of that hardship, you know, and when you really work through it on the other side of that is unbelievable. Cause I was telling him about the difficult person in our life that had another blow up. I said, that's being a chicken <laughs> too scared to do the hard work. And let me just sit over here and, and blame everybody else that things aren't working out instead of really doing some hard work and, and, and the, the benefits of it have now it's hard. I, I will emphasize that. And I'm sure that you agree the hard work coming through something is hard, but it is so worth it on the other side, especially because I watch your face light up for those that are listening and not watching this on video, that your face is lighting up when you talk about being able to go now help other people through that what that you went through the same thing. And I have to tell you from someone that came through stuff that was really hard too, there's nothing like a woman saying, I've been there. I felt exactly how you feel. And here's the steps I took to get out of it. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. And and what what you just said, Kristen, it reminded me when when I was actually going through life purpose coaching certification, I was in a room with 30 other women who were also becoming certified to be life purpose coaches. And I was reading the bios. Now, my bio was, holy smokes, life is unexpected. And have I ever had some challenges that I have faced? And I have methodically been, you know, trying to recover from some of the difficult, unforeseen circumstances of my life. And I feel equipped now to help other women. There were some coaches in the room who who had bios that read like this. I have a beautiful life. I married my high school sweetheart. We have four beautiful, perfect children, a, a home that boasts the view of the Pacific Ocean. I'm like, I'm not going to hire you as a coach. First of all, I, I'm intimidated by the perfection of your life, but I'm not going to hire you as a coach. And the women who hear us, like the three of us having this conversation, say, wow, you know, I've struggled. I've struggled by things that have been, been done to me. I've struggled because of bad decisions I've made. I've struggled because of um, decisions that were brought on by low self-esteem or, you know, seeking approval or whatever. Women walk up to women like us who say that and say, oh my gosh, your story resonated with me. I thank you for helping me feel not alone. Thank you for helping me feel not so ashamed or afraid or hopeless because I'm looking at you, you know, I'm looking at you making progress in life. And so now I think maybe I can too. So uh, uh, boy, imperfection is such a gift. And so, yeah. you know, thank God <laughs> our, thank God our lives haven't been perfect because we're better women for the hardships in our life, self-imposed and other imposed. Amen to that sister. Mm -hmm. No, it's funny. I'm listening to you and I am, I, there's, there's a divide in my mind. And I think when you get to be a certain point and you've gotten through the hard stuff, whatever it is, life seems to be that before and after, there's always that before and after, you know, before this happened, after this happened. But do you feel that there's all, there is almost a divide. There's almost that, that place where you go, there's going to be some stuff that's really going to be hard and then you're going to get through it. And then maybe you will have found your purpose in that. And part of what you do is to speak to maybe the younger women who are going through or about to go through stuff to say, you will survive this. And if you look at it as that moment where you, as Kristen and I, you figure out what your skill set is and what can I use and how can I get through this? It really does become not in the moment because you have to feel the yuck, but that building place where you can then start to create that next phase. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, in fact, I, so I encourage women to look at their life in decades. And so, for example, when we're in midlife, let's, let's just, let's just call midlife somewhere in our forties. And so imagining that somebody is kind of entering or they're in the midst of a disappointing phase of life. And by the way, the 30s and 40s, 
very difficult decades, the messy middle. Now, for mm-hmm. you know, for women who have families who, you know, they're they're perhaps they're they're married or in their in, in a relationship and they have children, there's joy. There's joy that comes with that. Of course, there's difficulty if children, you know, aren't they're they're not healthy or they have struggles or and Kristen, you know this, right? Uh, so there's joy, but there's hardship and there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of chaos in the messy middle. And so there are women who I hear say, oh my God, like this is just so hard. And the message that I share is, you know, if you look at, if you draw a horizontal line on a piece of paper and divide it into decades, let's pretend there's 10 increments, zero to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40. All, let's just pretend we're going to live to age 100. 90 or 100. Some of those decades are going to be great. Some of them are going to be hard and some of them might be devastating, Mm -hmm. right? And if you happen to be in a decade right now that feels really devastating or hopeless, one of the things I say to women is it's not always going to be like this. And if you're in a difficult decade, take that for what it is that you are in a difficult decade or a difficult period of time. It could be one year, five years, 10 years. It could be more, it could be less, but just accept that life is a blend of good and bad. And if you're in a bad season, okay, you're in a bad season. It won't always be like this. Right. And so we, you know, we have so many decades ahead of us. My thirties were difficult. I was in a difficult first marriage. My 40s, um, my early four, no, I, in fact, I take that back. My 30s were both marriages, early 30s, difficult first marriage, late 30s, catastrophic second marriage. And by the time I was 40, I just thought I had ruined my life. Hmm. It was so catastrophic what this second marriage did to me. I'm 60 today and happier than I have ever been in my entire life. Can't even imagine it. And I know I still have 30 or 40 years ahead of me unless something unexpected happens, right? Like an accident or an illness. I still get to live a lot of happy decades given my current life circumstances. And I'm so grateful to be able to say to women, hey, even if you're in a bad decade, like, don't, don't let it crush you. Do what you have to do to grow through it, survive it. And then just know that there are happy years ahead of you that right now you simply can't imagine because you're in the muck. Yeah. There are happy years ahead. I love that. I love that framing it in terms of decades. You know, I was, I was raised by a mom that when something horrible would happen, you know, even when I was like 12 and thought that, oh my God, my best friend isn't talking to me. Oh my God. You know, like whether that or like something horrible for real, she would always say she would make me a cup of tea. I'm a coffee drinker, but she would make a cup of tea, right? We'd sit there and, and we would drink. She'd have me drink that, calm down. And she'd always say, everything is better in the morning. It might only be a fraction better, yeah, but everything's better in the morning. So I always, I guess I had that instilled in me to look, it's not going to be this way forever, but I still had to, use the tools that I have, right? Like the, I realize what she did now. I realize as an adult, calm you down with the cup of tea, right? Have you take deep breaths so you're not freaking out. And then the next morning, come at it clear. 
So when you chunk this down in decades, because it does feel, I mean, you know, my divorce nightmare went on. It's still, <laughs> it's still going on. I can laugh about it now because there's, there's just some really goofy things happening, but in the thick of it, you know, five years, it was still going. And, and I'm like, this seems too long. This is impossible. But when you think about it, like, okay, yeah, it could be an entire decade of, of that. But then when you think about there's something, it's going to get better at some point. I think that's the magic potion here that people are able to take the next right step and the next right step because hopeless feeling like you're never going to get out of it. That to me is, is the most, is the most um, debilitating of all the things. And that, and we can't, we can't lose hope. You know, we just, one of one, I, so my, my life purpose coach asked me, she said, how are you not a bitter woman? And I, I, I said, I just, I mean, first of all, I thank my innate nature that innately I'm not, I, I don't lean toward bitterness and anger and hopelessness. So I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. But it's just, you know, bitterness and hopelessness. It's just not our best choice. And and one other thing I would add about, like looking at life in decades, that's one element of how we look through life. But another way we look through life when we're going through a difficult time, in, in my book, I call it manufacturing happiness. If I'm struggling right now, for I could be struggling emotionally, it could be a, a lack of confidence, it could be a feeling of I'm not good enough, it, and, and it could be circumstantial struggle, financial or relationship. We can still every day manufacture moments of happiness. And your tea example is a really good one. And I often say to women, okay, if if you're feeling really unhappy, and let's pretend that your friends all went downtown for dinner and drinks and you can't because the kids are home and financially you don't have, you just don't have the means to go have dinner with them. Can you manufacture happiness for yourself? So can you pause for a minute and shift from thinking about your friends downtown and instead think about, okay, what joy am I having right now with my children? Can I snuggle up with them on the couch read a book or watch a movie, or can I put them to bed and then take a hot bath, maybe have a cup of tea or enjoy a glass of wine while I'm enjoying a, a hot bubble bath? Can I can I manufacture happiness also every day? And the answer is yes, I can. I can make so so we can look, we can look through the lens of daily survival and happiness and joy and peacefulness and hopefulness. And then we can also look at the broader timeline of our life through the decades. I love it. You know, it's funny. I, um, during my challenges and struggles, my son is doing wonderfully well now, but struggle with substance abuse and heroin addiction and all of that for many, many years, to- total nightmare that uh, you, you know, it's, it's challenging for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which Hey, I didn't bring this on myself. I did everything right. You know, those are, I think, some of the hardest times for women to go, but I followed the rules. I did everything I was supposed to do, you know, and and it didn't work out. But, you know, what I ended up doing, I wrote this book called The 15-Minute Master, and it's very much along the lines of what you just said. What can you do in this one little 15-minute time period, if that's all you get? 
What can you do to either make a decision that's going to start to lead you out or just do something for yourself? And I think that's incredibly helpful when we are looking at things and thinking, God, this decade sucks. Like this just is terrible. Yes. But it you when you look at it in that long term, I think it's very helpful to break it down in the short term and go, you know what? For the next 15 minutes, I'm going to sit my butt on the couch and watch Say Yes to the Dress and have a glass of wine or whatever. And sometimes that's how you get through. And I think what you did just then was give us one of these. You talk about your approach being kind of process and pragmatic, process oriented. So what are some of the other maybe processes or practical ideas that you have for people to get to that place of hope, because we can say, oh, I'm going to be hopeful. But that's not always an easy thing to to live out. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, it really, I, I always, I, I, I'm a believer that progress starts with diagnosis. And I, so on my website at alitanorris.com, there's a link to take a life assessment. And this online life assessment gives women an opportunity to look at 10 categories of their life and evaluate current level of satisfaction. Now, this is very, this is pragmatic. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop, I'm going to pause, and I'm going to take stock, and I'm going to understand what the current state of my life is. And, and, uh, you know, almost every woman that I work with, I, I, hey, the first step is give yourself time to see where you're at. And so this assessment looks at It looks at, um, for example, my relationship with my family, my friendships, my finances, my current state of health and fitness, my home and space, my hobbies and interests, my profession or career or work life, um, et cetera. And it's really important to look at this because sometimes when one area of our life or two areas are going badly, I think my whole life is going badly. But if I take time to assess it, I might I might pause for a minute and say, oh yeah, my home and space is so comfortable and cozy and it's a peaceful retreat. And that does bring me joy. And this hobby that I have um, baking, it does bring me joy. And I, I make, you know, I make baked goods for my neighbors and my kids and my, my, um, my family, and that brings me joy. And so that's really the first step. Mm-hmm. And then pragmatically, if I want to make progress, I, I have to decide in these 10 areas of life, what area would I like to start with? And I am a short list person. I I don't encourage anyone to be working on more than three things at any given time. So it could be, you know, a, a, a woman might say to me, a, a client might say to me, I just, I just feel so lethargic. And I say, well, what might help you feel more energetic? Well, I just need to get outside every day and, and walk. Okay. Are you doing any walking right now? No. Okay. How much walking would you like to do every day to start to, you know, infuse some energy and fresh air and, into you? And she might say an hour. And and I just say, okay, time out. Let's wait. 
let's talk about this. We're going to go from zero to an hour. We <laughs> might ultimately settle on five minutes or 10 minutes because I, I, I like, I like women to set themselves up for success. So, so Mary Frank kind of going back to, you know, what is the process? Well, it's identify one or two things. It could be from a relationship perspective, I'm not getting along well with my husband. Well, we may uncover that as a woman, I'm a yeller and, and I yell at everything. Uh, okay, could we could we practice just using our voice, using our words and not yelling? Could that be on the list? Could I could I become a person who's calmer? So I don't, it's different for everyone. But if I want to start making progress in my life toward a place where I feel better about how things are going and I feel better about myself, what are the one or two or three things that I could start working on? What can I take baby steps about? And I just, as a side note about that yelling, when I was, when, when my kids, when my kids were probably 12, 10 and 10, I have twins. I, I was in a really stressful period of time in this very difficult second marriage. And I was starting to yell. And I'm not a yeller. And my oldest daughter said to me, Mom, I decided that when you yell at me, I'm not going to yell back. And I said, I love that. And, and if you as a 12-year-old can make a commitment not to yell, I can make a commitment not to yell. And, and that day, we became a non-yelling family. Hmm everybody. And I, and, and I said, kids, if you need me, you come and find me so you can talk to me. Don't yell from the center of the house to locate me. We literally became a non-yelling family. And my kids are all in their thirties now. And as they reflect back on their childhood, they said, we really appreciate that you were a calm mom. That's, wow. you know, with their fully developed brains. So but just one step at a time. Progress comes one step at a time. Wow. There's so much to unpack in all that you just said. One of my favorite things, because I am one of those, um, you know, perfectionists and, and like, I'm, I'm slightly recovering perfectionist because now I'm like, well, I'm going to be 52. This doesn't work. Ah, I'll try something else. I don't care anymore. Right. I'm still standing. I'm still running, whatever. But mm -hmm. This whole concept of take a look at the 10 areas and, and and assess, because I feel like there's so many people like me that would go, oh my God, everything is just, that's where I was at seven years ago. And my hair fell out. Everything felt like, I felt like I was failing it every single thing in my life. When really it was navigating a divorce with this horrific person was where I had no, I had to go get tools because I just didn't know anything about that. Everything else, had I have sat down and done this assessment, I would have realized, oh my gosh, but my, my kids were doing well. You know, I was managing this house. My career was taking, like all the other things were doing well, but you get consumed by that one thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I would have, I would have probably had a lot less trips to the salon for hair extensions. <laughs> I focused a little more on, but I, I, I do give myself a lot of grace. And for people that are listening that are so overwhelmed in one area, I totally get it like that. You just end up like, 
it is every waking moment of every way. I don't even remember when, when Michael, my oldest was first diagnosed as blind. And I met a mom who was talking to a group of us moms with blind babies. And I, my question to her was, when did you stop crying every day? Because all I was consumed by it and wasn't looking at anything else in my life. It was just that one thing. So I love that, that if you look at all the other areas and that's got to start, it was making me feel lighter just hearing you say it. Then you think about all the other successful areas you have, even if there's just one, it's not all that you stink at. It's there's one that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and along those lines, Kristen, the other phrase that I share very frequently is good and bad coexist. And there's too much going on in life for everything to be going well. Mm. A, a gift that one of my friend's mothers gave me was a, was a sentence. And we were sitting together watching our sons play basketball. And I, 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 I mean, I just struggled. I think at this point I was going through a second divorce and I was struggling a bit with, you know, some failure and just kind of not fitting in surrounded by family USA and all of the intact families. And I looked at this woman and I said, you are such a good mom. And she said to me, hmm, actually, I'm not, I'm a good enough mom. Oh, that, <laughs> that really helped me a lot because I thought, oh, I can be a good enough mom. Yeah, I can do that. And uh, my, my kids have a stepmom who has been in their lives since they were very young and she's awesome. She knows their favorite colors and their favorite dinners and their favorite shows. And I don't know, like their favorite stuff. And I said to them, Hey, you guys, it's great that you have a stepmom who knows your favorite color and your favorite dinner. I don't, but there's, a, but I'm good enough. Right. <laughs> I don't think I said that to them, but I thought to myself, I'm good enough. Like she can, it's okay that she's better than me in some of those areas. Um, which is a whole nother thing. And we do have to have a shout out for the stepmoms of the world and the moms, like don't battle over the kids. Yeah. Everybody be nice to everybody so that the kids get the joy. They get the joy of a lot of people loving them. So let's not, let's not do battle over the kids. That's such a wonderful perspective to have. And this idea of, of exploring the, the small individual things that may be going right. And that one step at a time, you know, I've told this story before when my son was finally in recovery and finally starting to make his way. One day he went out from, from the little bit of money that he had from a job that he got painting from somebody in, in AA who helped him and mentored him and all that. And he went and bought personal products. He went and bought his own shampoo and his own Q-tips and stuff that was really a turning point. So this idea that a different perspective about these small things, that they can be a turning point and a real building block is so important. And I think it's important for women at a certain age, like the 50 plus, because sometimes we feel like, <laughs> sometimes we feel like when we are done the duty part of everything, that's it. Nobody needs us anymore. All the kids are gone. And I think to myself, Yes. Yay. Now I can do the stuff that I have been putting on hold. And I see that in your work so much that it's, hey, some of those decades where you're duty bound right. are going to be really, really hard. 
But there's other stuff that's going to come afterwards where you can use all the stuff that you learned in the crappy time to make some really cool things happen in your life. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And so, and, and for, and, and listen, we all understand, right, that not everybody has kids and they don't have that, they don't have that milestone, right, where they go from being on duty to being on call. Um, but for those who do, what I'm discovering is there are so many women who say, I like my identity now is gone. Like that was my primary role. And that's where we get to kind of get to the work of, reigniting and reinventing our life for the second half. Women need help with that. Now, you know, for those of, you know, the three of us, again, who are chatting here, part of our life's work is to help women with resiliency and rediscovery and reigniting. And we're, you know, we're kind of tooled up to do that. And that said, there are so many women who are simply at a loss. They have no idea how to do the work of discovering what other roles they could have in life. And it's so joyful. One, one of the women, so I have an online course called Midlife Makeover, and it's a self-directed course. And one woman said, when my, when I was done raising my eight children and she homeschooled her children and raised kids for 30 years, she said, I had no dreams for myself. Mm-hmm. And she said, now I have three pages of dreams because I've gone through this process of like checklists and, and blue sky brainstorming and envisioning and imagining and taking time to think about what are things that I love without trying to fit them into a decision. Well, I love horses and I love baking and I love hiking and I I like traveling and I like being with friends. And okay, well, let's let's start to put some puzzle pieces together and let's help you make some decisions about how you could spend your time in a meaningful way. And is that <laughs> simply hobbies and interests or do you have a, an entrepreneurial venture within you that you you know, that you didn't really realize that you have within you. One of one of the women who's kind of involved in some of my online work, she went back for a master's degree at age 70, which, which is amazing, right? Because she said, hey, you know, I'm only 68 right now. I can get a degree and I've got my 70s and maybe part of my 80s to do some counseling work. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to do that. It's like fantastic. During my research for my book, Women Who Spark After 50, a woman who all her life had this kind of internal gnawing where she said, oh, it would have been so much fun to be a doctor. Like, I wish I had been a doctor. At age 57, she went to medical school. Like, so I I, want to just say to, to women, ladies, we, we have so, we have so many years ahead of us to to still do something meaningful and if you need help figuring it out okay let's start let's start doing some things to help you figure that out but don't don't give in to this idea that your life is somehow like you somehow ruined it because you didn't you 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 didn't do something exciting and big for yourself you know this actually this like crosses all 
all humans and resiliency because I work in the blind community and I'm I actually just had this massive aha moment. It's funny that you're landing on this on this that we're talking today after I had this aha moment yesterday morning, which as we're recording this, it's the day after Memorial Day. And I was reading I was reading Don Miller's book. He's the story brand guy. And I had just read Matthew Kelly's new book, Holy Moments, right? And I'm realizing that the the through line and everything is knowing your purpose. And in the blind community, they go, I'm, I'm running this, this whole nonprofit about, oh, you can still thrive. You can do all this stuff. But I texted a friend of mine yesterday morning. I said, oh my gosh, we're missing step one. When people don't believe in a purpose or have nowhere to go after their life changes by something like blindness or an accident or an addiction, whatever the thing is, our friend Lee Warren calls it that, that massive thing, TMT. Um, they don't, it's, it's that step one of uncovering what you can do now. Like what's the next, I call it the next adventure. What is the next adventure look like? And it's, it's, that has been the missing piece to, to convincing folks that they can still thrive and, and, you know, women our age and, and the kids are gone. We have so much thriving and living to do, but it's that step one of figuring out what we're curious about. In, in this next, in these next steps. Right. Yes. Yeah. What well, there, so I want to, I, I want to tell you about one other, um, it's not a survey, it's a checklist. So I have a checklist called our disappointment discouragement checklist. It's not exactly what it's called, but I forget what I even named the checklist, <laughs> but it includes 42 things in women's lives that contribute to discouragement or dissatisfaction or sadness. And it's things both in and kind of within us and, and circumstances. So 42 items. One is, Mary friend, one is, you know, I, I have a child with an addiction. I've been through an unwanted divorce. I have a poor relationship with one or more of my siblings. Um, one or more of my children is unhappy in their life. Um, I, my husband is having an affair. I've had an affair. I've had an abortion that I haven't been able to forgive myself for. I feel less than enough. I, or I feel like I'm not good enough. I struggle with poor body image. So this, one of the things I've discovered is that when women fill out this checklist and they see how women around them fill out the checklist, they they are equipped with encouragement by knowing that they're not the only ones struggling with disappointment and discouragement and sadness. Mm. And so when I'm in a, when I'm in an in-person room filled with women, they fill out their checklist and then they pass them around. So women can look at other women's checklists anonymously. When you take my checklist online and you submit, you get your results back and for any of the items you checked, it tells you what percentage of women struggle with that. So for example, I feel like I'm not good enough. 42% of women struggle with, I feel like I'm not good enough. Like 67% of women struggle with their body image. What I've discovered is that when women look at that, their, their aha is, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. I'm not, I thought I was the only one. And so now I feel better about myself because I'm not as abnormal as I thought. And now I, now that I feel more 
like regular, I can get about the business of making some progress. But until I saw that, that women around me are struggling as well, I just felt like I somehow didn't deserve more than where I'm at or that somehow I'm an anomaly in the world and this is just what my life is meant to be. So women want the comfort of knowing that they're not alone. Wow. Yeah. You know, we, I think we could, we could talk for hours about these things because there's so much out there that, that does keep us feeling isolated. But when we open up and have these kinds of conversations and really do sit with it for a few moments at the very least, and realize that we are all struggling with a lot of these kinds of things, then it's an opportunity to move forward and go, well, I guess if she feels that way, I can't be that big of a mess, you know, and it allows us to move, move forward. So um, Alita, tell everybody where we can find you. And this is a wonderful conversation that everybody needs to be a part of. So thank you. Yes. So the easiest place to find me is alitanorris.com. And there's, there's a variety of things on my website. And because I'm process oriented, there's there are some step-by-steps even on my website that guide a, a woman through, okay, what how could I how could I start to interact with Alita and the way that you know she helps women and some of the tools that she has. So pretty self-explanatory and it's very easy to contact me from my website if um if anyone wants a chat, and I'm extremely generous with my time. So sometimes women reach out and they just they just want to chat and kind of do a check-in and you know, see if see see if there's something that that I can do to help them. Sometimes yes and sometimes not. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, one of the elements in living brilliantly resilient is to raise your hand and ask for help. So I would suggest that everybody go in and take Alita up on that. Take a look at the website and get in touch with her and have a chat and see if she can help you with the next right step. And for the additional next right steps, go to brilliantlyresilient.net, sign up to receive our brilliance bit that comes to your email inbox every week with a less than one minute read because we ain't got no time for brilliance that takes too long. A less than one minute read that will keep you living brilliantly resilient. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise, and reveal your brilliance.